Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram, Aaron underscore Dugan. Lots of good stuff on the show today. Ryan McGee from ESPN going to join us. We're going to spend a lot of time with him talking about these coaches in this conference because he just sat down with all 14 of them. He knows these guys extremely well. So I wanted to get into the heads and minds and personalities of all these guys in the SEC and try to paint a picture of who they are, why they're successful or not in some cases. So Ryan McGee from ESPN going to join us. Got some rapid fire stuff with him as well a little bit later on. Uh, Aaron will touch on the 16-team playoff thing and why the SEC don't care. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, we're going to go team by team today on the show, and we are going to tell you the most important position group for every single team in the SEC, the group that will define success or failure. So a lot of fun stuff on the show today. I know you had a quick trip out to the West Coast and back again. You're a very busy person. Good to have you back in Nashville. Thank you. Yeah, it was quick and it was a lot, but I was not ready to come back to this humidity. (laughs) I mean, it feels like a freaking steam room here and it's like perfect there. It's like 73, no humidity and like just happiness. Of all the the places I might retire, try to convince my wife. I don't know. San Diego, Denver. San Diego's up there. (laughs) The places with no humidity are the top of my list. 100%. <laughs> uh, I've been at Titans camp for the last couple of weeks, uh, three or four times, and we've had some cloud cover. So it was only like 89 instead mm-hmm. of like 94. And it, it was like, it, it felt like heaven because it wasn't 100 degrees and it was still hot. Don't get me wrong. Um, but we're in the South. We're used to, to humidity in the first month of the season. And here's what's really cool, Aaron. There will be SEC football games happening this month. That's crazy. This month. It always sneaks up on me. I just don't know how it's August 1st, but it's also my birthday month. So what are you getting me? Ooh, I have to decide. Um, I'm sure and, you've uh, already and, thought. And by decide, and by decide, I mean, I will um, decide if you're getting me something. No, I'll re- I'll ask Kaylee to help me, my wife. Um, <laughs> and actually, I might be wrong. I don't know if there's I know Tennessee opens on like Thursday night against like Ball State. That might be September 1st. So it might be next month. technically. <laughs> but but week zero. Really? is like, Week zero is August 27th. So that counts. Football's here. How about that? I agree. All right. So we'll go, we'll go team by team, position by position. Then we'll talk with uh, Ryan McGee a little bit later on as well. Uh, rate, review, subscribe to the show. Please share the product. Check out the YouTube page as well. Make sure you subscribe in there. We're dropping all kinds of fun content on that, on that page. We got some stuff planned for you for the season. So make sure you check it out. Go subscribe. Turn on the notifications. So on and so forth. All the good stuff. Did I do Did I get it all? I think I got I think it all. You got it all. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, so the six, first of all, we'll get into all these teams. Uh, but Aaron, let's quickly the 16 team playoff. I think it is awfully ironic that, or, or maybe coincidental. I don't even know what the right word is. You, you're the, you're the Vandy grad. Um, that, that uh, the Alliance and all these other conferences are the people that blew up the SEC's goal of expanding the playoff to 12 when they voted yep. last year. And now they all want it to be 16 teams. So they, no, we don't, we, we can't play too many games for the athletes. We can't do this. We can't do that. We can't do this. We can't do that. And now they're all like, yeah, we need 16 instead of 12. And guess what? You still need a unanimous vote, which means the SEC can just say, meh, and be the one vote that stops the entire thing. I 16 team playoff. You for it? You against it? Where do you fall? I don't really care because I don't think it's going to happen <laughs> right now. Do you? No, I don't think it'll happen. I think the SEC will, will, I mean, they would have to demand Texas and Oklahoma come to the SEC immediately. Mm-hmm. They would have, they'd probably ask for no automatic bids so that they could get as many teams in as possible. Yep. 
And frankly, why would they go to the table to negotiate in good faith with people who stabbed him in the back, basically? I mean, if it was going to pay off, well, I guess if they, if it, if that made it possible to where the Texas and Oklahoma could come immediately, then you might be talking because that's Maybe. a lot more money. But um, no, I don't think it's going to happen. Everybody else did not play their cards right because the SEC has just like struck struck when the iron struck exactly when they needed to all throughout <laughs> this process they sat back when they needed to they struck they striked when the iron was hot <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't sound right i think struck is right yeah yeah um and now they just have complete con total control really over the situation yeah so and yeah it, it, I, again remember it was a penn state president and a washington state president that commissioned the four team the four person group including greg sankey to go explore expansion in 2019. They explored expansion and they said 12 teams and here's the layout and here's the format and they and then they voted on it and they voted it down. And now those same people are like, well, what about 16 teams? And Gre Gre why would Greg Sankey say yes to that? He doesn't have reason to yet. Zero. And again, so, unless he can get Texas and Oklahoma early. For that zero would change it. I for bet. zero cost and no automatic bids, meaning... They could get six bids into a sixteen-team league, yeah. Into like that—that's the only way. Otherwise, that's not even. I don't even think they have a, a conversation about this. Honestly, I just—I just find and it then hilarious. Everybody will get even less teams in. Right. I just find it hilarious that like they had a chance, and now the USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten, and we're all scared of expansion and all this other stuff. Like, oh, wait a second, sixteen sounds great. Yep. Greg Sankey's like, get get that bullshit out of here. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not playing that game. He's, no way. He's, um, he's like, you already I, wasted enough of my time. Thank you. Yes. And and he's been pissed off about this the whole way. Like he's the whole way. He's like, what are we doing, guys? What are we doing? Yeah. Um. All right. I just wanted to get that out of the way because I think you and I are on the same page on this. And yes. Doesn't make any sense why this would even be something that SEC would consider unless they get a huge something in return, right? Lots of incentive. It would take lots of incentive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. So let's go team by team here. Most important position group for every team that you think could define success or failure for this for this football team. We're going to do all 14, except for I'm going to lump Georgia and Alabama together here and just say, where did you think a, a position group could play a role and actually define their season? Is there one for Alabama and Georgia for either of those teams in your mind? I mean, they're not going to there's no one position group that's going to be as pivotal for either of these teams because they're pretty they're built pretty sturdy all the way through. There are a lot of teams that you'll, you know, you look at when we're going to talk about Florida, you know, like if, you know, Anthony Richardson's able, able to do what he needs to do, like that could completely change the, you know, the outlook right. or the trajectory for Florida over the course of the season. I mean, I mean, arguably, like if your entire chemistry of your offensive line falls apart or your quarterback gets hurt, if you're Alabama or Georgia, then yeah, you're going to have a problem. But all in all, like it, it, it one particular position group is going to be less significant for these two teams than for the others. I mean, I had ones that stood out to me that in terms of that they would be even more helpful for an already stacked program, which to for Georgia was the tight ends in my mind. Um, just extremely, like extremely talented through and through with Brock Bowers and Washington. And then for Alabama, um, I mean, I yep, think that exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it's hard to ignore Will Anderson ever a combination of him and Turner. And like, just in terms of pass rushing defense is going to be, you know, um, 
a difference maker, but like not really because I already picture them going all the way through. Yep. Yep. Uh, if I had to do, and again, the spirit of the exercise is there's the beauty is the eye of the beholder. It's whatever you think is most important about this team. And there's, there's no right or wrong answers to any of this stuff. I, like if I was going to do it in the truest sense of the exercise for Alabama and Georgia, I'd probably say front seven for Georgia and offensive line for Alabama. But like, I know all the pieces for Georgia are really good. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I guess maybe Alabama's offensive line could have problems in a championship setting, but like, I don't see a team on their schedule regular season that's going to challenge the offensive line and really truly cause problems for Bryce Young. So if I had to do the exercise, I would say Bama O-line, Georgia front seven, but there's really not a part of me that is concerned about either of those two things. Yeah, it's so, hard to find something. Yeah, it's uh, you said it. It's hard to find something that yeah. makes a huge difference for a team that is as close, teams that are preseason as close to perfect as we're used yeah. to seeing. Yeah. And Georgia tight Georgia tight ends might be the greatest tight ends we've ever seen in the history of the game. Like that's that's how good they are. Um, okay, let's go alphabetical here. We'll start in the east, and then we'll go to the west, and we'll hit every team. Then Ryan McGee is going to come up and uh, join us a little bit later on, talk coaches, and I've got some rapid fire questions for him a little bit later on. So you guys are going to enjoy that conversation. All right, uh, Florida, where did you go? Most important position group for the Florida Gators will be what in twenty twenty two? I just mentioned that it was. It's hard to not talk about Anthony Richardson because I think things are going to be pretty dependent on him. But as a group, I think the linebackers are probably the most impressive. You have Ventrell Miller and Brenton Cox and just what they're going to be able to do, having, you know, having strength and depth at that position is something that could help give the offense just a little bit more time to come into their own. So for that reason, I thought the linebackers were the standout group. What about you? I went D-line front seven as well. Um, and you mentioned Miller and Cox. I think they're really good. But I think this is a team that was 10th in, in rushing defense last year in the SEC, one of the worst rushing defenses in the league. Um, I don't think there's a lot of depth in the front seven. I think they have a couple of nice starting pieces, as you mentioned. But I, I think if – like I, here's why I pick them. I trust Anthony Richardson to be pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. And I trust the offense to be pretty good. I think Billy Napier's – going to do a good job with those guys it's like this team's upside in my opinion is dependent on can they stop the run get stops against teams like tennessee and kentucky and south carolina and Georgia? like can they get stops they gotta play lsu and if they can get stops then florida could be an eight or nine win team and be way better than we think but if there's no depth in that front seven that would be that would be my area of concern for the gators you can't give up 27 points a game no no that's not good no it's not uh, they they ranked yeah they ranked 11th in the SEC in scoring defense and 10th in in rushing defense so not good all right Kentucky the Kentucky but improve, Wildcats well, would but those improvements alone as you mentioned could could be the difference in like them being you know winning nine games I mean just what they're it, able to do on on that side of the ball yes they won six so if they get better in that area could they be eight and four absolutely yeah and and again and, until proven otherwise they own Tennessee. So it's like I would pick Tennessee to win that game. But as I've said, those are famous last words yep. uh, in alphabetic order here. Kentucky, where are you going? Most important position group in 2022. Kentucky. I I put mine up on a little board next to me. Oh, you got a big board. Can we see yeah. the big board? Yeah. I want to see the big board. It, only on YouTube, folks. Wow. Oh, my God. Look at that. That's a lot of. That's a lot of shit. That's a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. Um, check it out on YouTube, folks. 
Um, yeah, that's just riveting content. Uh, aerial font on white paper. Check it out. Um, More of an Avenir next guy. The you go first on Kentucky. I I was I was I had split feelings on this. So I went with a specific collection of I went not only did I go defensive line, but I went with a class of defensive linemen. The 2020 recruiting class was the best one okay. of the best defensive line recruiting classes that Kentucky's ever had. They had a five star and a bunch of four star players in that class. Justin Rogers, Ripka, Hayes, Oxendine, Th- that group, I I. I sort of trust Levis. I trust the offensive line. But if you're asking me, and I've said this on the show before, Mark Stoops, if you trust Mark Stoops to do anything, I trust him to take a bunch of really talented four and five star defensive linemen and develop them into stars. This is now going to be their, let's see, if there are 2020 classes, will be all their third years in the program and they are all expected to take on starting roles. If that group is as good as their recruiting pedigree says they are, that Kentucky team could have one loss playing Georgia for the division championship at home in November. You guys know I like Kentucky at two over Tennessee. That group makes them even better than that. If that group develops, they could be really, really dangerous. On that same front, and I, I wrote some stuff down about, you know, about the defense in general, but on that same front, I know you're saying if they tip in the right way, it can make a difference, but in, aren't there still a lot of question marks around that same group? Like in terms of un, like it's not yeah. really proven that they're going to be able to produce and I actually wrote the same thing down in the opposite direction of like, you know, if this doesn't play out and the chemistry, they aren't able to figure this out and they're still pretty young, you know, can that be the tipping point for Kentucky to have some backwards movement in terms of their end of season yeah. record? No, so. I mean, especially winning 10 games last year, I think that's absolutely possible. I think I'm picking them more in that eight and four, nine and three range. So I'm already kind of picking them to take a step back. Right. But that to me, if I'm trying to find, like, I think Levis is going to be great. I think the offensive line is going to be great. I think the running game is going to be great. Like, I, like, it's more about where can I find that next level upside for Kentucky? And it's that defensive line. And frankly, Stoops is great at developing those guys. So, um, again, I, He's been great at developing two and three star talent. Now he's got some four and five star guys to work with. Like that, that could be dangerous, folks. So, right? Do you have I any agree, concerns? I agree. If the... they can't, if they can't stop anybody, then yeah, you're right. Do you have concerns about them? You know, losing Wandale Robinson. Do you have concerns about them at wide receiver? Even though they have some talent on there, I think I think that's a great point. I think my second choice would have been like pass catchers, wide receivers, mm-hmm. and tight ends. Probably would have been my second choice because Robinson caught like a hundred passes. Like they just. You know, Josh Alley's gone. Justin Rigg is gone. Like their top three receivers are gone. So they're going to have to find some players. I think they've got some guys that are capable. Um, you know, they brought some guys in out of the out of the transfer portal too. So I, I agree. That's the number. That's the number two for me. Is but I think having a star quarterback helps. Yeah, <laughs> develop, I agree. Develop those guys. And you've yeah, you still got people that can rush the ball. So yeah, uh, yeah. Chris Rodriguez is a superstar. Um, yes. All right, Missouri. I went with quarterback here because I just don't think there's a, there's too many other question marks on the team, and we don't know who the quarterback is. Brady Cook, Sam Horn, Tyler Macon, Josh Abraham, who knows? But probably between Cook and Horn, the key is going to be if they – to me, it's if they find a guy, Missouri could get to a bowl game and overachieve. That will define their season, in my opinion. I only have three teams where quarterback was my answer to this question. How, how many did you have? If I count Missouri, because I had a hard time coming up with anything else – it would be four. Okay. That's see, that's good. That's good. Um, to your point though, about anything else with Missouri, it's all pretty 
they're they're all pretty important. Um, <laughs> I mean, because they're all they're all full of question marks. That's the thing. It's like it's well, it's hard to pick one that you feel like is going to have the most significance. We know how much of a, how much of a difference a good a good or bad quarterback can make, and then they have a lot of other question marks, which we could you know we could pick any of them. They do show. I do think that watching Isaiah McGuire at defensive end will be fun. He's like super powerful player and could be a difference maker on that side of the ball in terms of just like, you know, hopefully being able to put some stacks up for them. But, um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of moving parts for Missouri. Offensive line is solid. Corners are good. Front seven was atrocious last year. They lose Tyler Beatty at running back. Like you could point to a lot of different areas. Um, I just, again, this is one of the few that I went with quarterback because I feel like it will make the most difference for the team. If they do not find a guy, this is not a bowl team. They're going to go four and eight, maybe. They're not, if they find a guy, that could be the difference in having a fun season or not and and project towards the future with, with Eli Drinkowitz. So, um, and I had McGuire's a hell of a player. I meant to look and see, you just mentioned their line. How much experience do they have on the O line? I meant to look up with. The... So they have five starters coming back. Four okay. technically are projected, but four of them are seniors. Uh, so it, it is like they they could they they should be good along the offensive. Yeah, and line. they might be able to figure if they if they have a guy if figure out the quarterback position, you might have enough experience on the O line to give them yep. some room to work. So yep. we'll see. All right, South Carolina, where'd you go, Dukes? South Carolina, I went. Check out your big board there. My big, I know. <laughs> um, I went. Where's South Carolina? How good a big board do you have? If it's confusing, it's, it's obviously not that good. You you go first, and I'll follow. Oh come on with that! Hold on, I gotta find it. Well, then give me a second. Uh, offensive line is where I went here for South Carolina because I think they've got the tight ends. They've got Spencer Rattler. I think they can find I think they're okay at running back. I think they've got some pieces at receiver, but but and I like the defense I almost sort of like ignored and just said, all right, they're gonna have to be better on defense. But like they're really good pass defense. They got a lot of people back in the secondary, so I'm not as worried about that. It, it, it was came down to which line of scrimmage do am I most concerned about? And I went with offensive line because they have all five starters returning, but they were one of the worst offensive lines in the SEC last year. 30, 31 yeah, got sacks. sacks. 31 times, yeah. 31 sacks allowed. Um and eleventh in rushing despite having a pretty good player back there. I, to me, if Rattler has success and is living up to all this hype that we're seeing this summer, to me, it is about the offensive line improving because it is right now the same names as last year. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're having that many changes on offense and you're bringing in a new quarterback, even though Beamer and Rattler have a relationship and there's probably some sort of familiarity in terms of some familiarity in terms of, like systematic stuff uh, you it's still turning quarterbacks over year to year no matter how talented they are does require the offensive line to be able to pivot some so it's good that they have experience um i did write down all i wrote down was protect the quarterback so i guess i meant offensive line <laughs> there you go so you're on board you're on board yeah right, you have you have to go first now tennessee okay i'll go tennessee. first Tennessee was a little bit, well, I went back. It's Hinden Hooker, obviously, we know he's on the right path. So I think that if he can keep that up, he's not the most defining part of the game because we already see what he's actually capable of. Um, maybe not as a whole unit, but I think wide receiver-wise with like Cedric Tillman and what he's hopefully going to be able to do for the 
for the volunteers it could have a lot of significance and that in you know pairing that with the arm that Hendon Hooker has could be a difference maker I don't actually admittedly know how deep they are wide receiver wise um, he's the he's the first person that I think of I know they have some talent but I think some of it's younger maybe you can speak to that a little bit more well they got Brew McCoy to come in and they're talking highly about him but he's the guy who like went to Texas and then went to USC and now he's tra- like he's already kind of transferred three times right um I think they're okay at receiver I think they've got some pieces they like um but Tillman is the star of the show getting him to come back it's more about like yeah I don't have any questions about Hooker honestly I think Jabari Small is great at running back. Like, honestly, it was hard for me to find something on the offense that I was like super concerned about. Receiver is their their one question, I think. But like, it's it's less a question and more of just like, it's a, like all a right. difference make. I feel like it could yeah. be a difference maker rather than a question. Just if they're yeah, able to Tillman and Hooker are able to connect, then it could mean you know wins that were otherwise we were teetering on. I do think that's a good point that. If the offense is great, it's because the receivers are what they are. If the offense is elite, it's because some of the pieces on the at the receiving position have developed into stars. Yeah. And so I do agree with that part of it. I think the offensive line's good. I think the quarterback's great. I think the running game's good. The thing that could change the offense for Tennessee is if they have like three different dynamic playmakers at wide receiver and not just Cedric Tillman. So right. I, I do agree with that. Um I think I went with cornerback specifically, but I think I could also go with defensive back because they do run a five defensive back set mm-hmm. and they're bringing, they've got two starters back. Both of them are seniors, but they lose Theo Jackson, who was sort of the do everything star back in the backfield. Who's yep. actually here in Nashville at the Tennessee Titans camp. Who's looked very, very good in camp, by the way, uh, steal of a draft pick, I think in the sixth round, uh, Elante Taylor was like a high second round draft pick. One of the best corners in the country. They don't have any experience at corner at all. And I just don't know if they're going to get stops. I don't know if they're going to get stops. Like Pittsburgh, Kentucky, South Carolina, LSU, Bama, Georgia. Like there's just so much on the schedule. Florida with Anthony Richardson. There's so many good quarterbacks you have to be able to cover in space. And I don't know if Tennessee can cover. And that could be one play that, you know, Will Levis completes or Anthony Richardson completes. And all of a sudden you lose a game because you blew one coverage. And that could be the difference in seven and five and nine and three. So I, I, you could also say defensive tackle. You could say linebacker. But to me, it was corner for Tennessee that I feel like if they find cover corners, mm-hmm. the team feels a lot different. But right now, they don't have anything at that position. Yeah, and you can kind of help compensate for some of those chunk plays coming from yes. the opposing team. So, yeah, exactly. makes sense to me. Your Vanderbilt Commodores. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> um, Vanderbilt, so I, I dug in a little bit to, like, you almost want to look at offense just to be like, well, we have to, you have to score points to win games. So it's advised. Part of me, it's like, you know, hopefully it will Shepard and the other guys, um, the like some of the other starter, starting wide receivers can put something together. I mean, Vanderbilt lost Cam Johnson, who was a pretty reliable, like, uh, a pretty reliable guy at that position, but still it was hard to keep up in a conference like the SEC. Um, so it left a little bit of a gap, but it, nothing really feels like a huge gap when you have this many holes. Um, so it would be nice to score points. And for that reason, I'd love to see the receivers do something. Devin Body, um, like I mentioned, Will Shepard, um, maybe they'll be able to put something together, but there's just so... there. 
just allowing so many points to be scored, it's hard not mm. to want to hone in on something defensively. Um, and maybe Anthony Orgy, like linebacker, will make a difference. It's honestly hard to pick whole units for me at Vanderbilt, um, at least to have steadfast hope in. It just seems like there's little key players here and there that you just yeah. pray will make a yeah. difference. It It's not really like, oh, our, you know, our defensive backs will save us. It's like you have right, a right. good defensive back. <laughs> right, right. The linebackers are okay. Orgy is really good, but the linebackers are okay. I'm actually, the quarterback position right in seals, like, wasn't even a consideration for me. It's sort of like, if all, of all the things Vanderbilt is concerned about, like, that isn't the one I'm concerned about. I put offensive line down to your to your point. Like, yeah, it was probably the worst in the SEC last year. And then they lost their starting left tackle to, guess what, Alabama. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, just, yeah. just basically unfair in that situation. So I went with offensive line, two returning starters. No, you got to help your quarterback. You got to help Mike right out. Um, you just, you got to do it. So uh, I put offensive line down there. Um, okay. It's just like little glimmers of maybes. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's hard yeah, to pick the whole thing. That, that's what every coach strives for in the preseason. We've got little glimmers of maybe. <laughs> that's what we got. <laughs> I uh, don't think that's true. Okay. Nope, no, it's not. Let's say you want to head to the West. Let's head to the West yeah. and let's get to the Arkansas Razorbacks. Did you skip Auburn? No, they're alphabetically behind. You <laughs> is behind an R. Oh my God. Vanderbilt's also bad at spelling. You shit. bust my shit all the time when that's I say bad. words incorrectly or I get the grammar wrong. That's really, really bad. Um, Auburn, Arkansas. Arkansas. <laughs> I have. I was full on ready for Auburn because I can't. Spell. Oh, do Auburn. Hey, Hell, fun Let's fun do story. Auburn. We will do. <laughs> we will do Auburn. But I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast. Did I about how the dance team misspelled Vanderbilt at a game? Oh God, please tell tell us. This we story. were at college. This is, our, this is our between East and West. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's our little break. So, <laughs> college game day for basketball in 2012. We played Kentucky before we went on and Vanderbilt beat them in the SEC championship. That, we and that them was at home. Sorry to interrupt. That was okay. Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, national championship Kentucky team. Vanderbilt was very good with like AJ Ogilvy and Jeff Taylor, right? And, Bessie and John, Zizzilli, Bessie Jeff Zizzilli, Taylor, John, John, John Jenkins. Jenkins. Yeah. Yep, Those are two very good basketball teams. Yeah. It was, it was like really exciting. We were all there. So we get in line. I was the, I was, the oldest. I mean, I was a senior on the team, so I had the V because I had to show everyone where to... we were running with flags. So, so they you all literally had were walking around holding the V card. You literally were. It's a V holding. flag, oh, but yes. Um, and we had to right. run with these flags, and I guess the girls got out of order behind me. I don't know how. So we ran on game day. It said Vadner Belt, <laughs> and I'm like, and we have literally ruined every on opportunity television? on television. And we, I was like, well, that there goes any chance to ever break the cheerleaders and dancers are dumb stereotype. It's done. So, like, so, so multiple stereotypes you, uh, you encouraged that the SEC is dumb and that the cheerleaders and dance team, you, 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 you cemented two different stereotypes. I in mean, one we moment. screwed it up for this, the school that's supposed to be not dumb. Right. Yeah, it was pretty that's bad. Vadner built. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, guys, for real. Of That's all the so things good. and of all the days to do it. I know that. it's so good. Anyways, it's not Cause it's not like you don't do it for every game. Like you did the flags for every game. You just weren't on national TV every time. Right. No, they just, yeah, they just messed it up that day. Just the one. 
It's the only time it ever happened. What kind of senior leadership did they have on this squad, Aaron? I just thought the <laughs> fucking teammates could spell. I don't know. <laughs> like I'm, we do this every day. We do every it three day. times a week. I don't know what to tell you, but it is what it is. So, um, that's so good. That, let's that do is, Auburn. That, that is so good. You want to do Auburn or Arkansas? I want to do Auburn. All right, let's do Auburn. Go ahead. No, you can do Arkansas. You go first. Oh, I'm going to do Arkansas. You're going to do Auburn? All right. Oh, well, we're both going to do both. All right, fair enough. All right, Arkansas, front seven for me. They don't have a single returning starter, which is odd, but Bumper Pool is back and sort of like in this other this this role. They lost their top run play, run stuffer. They lost their top pass rusher. They lost two linebackers. I think they have a lot of really good pieces, so I'm not concerned necessarily about them being good there because I think, again, Bumper Pool is a very good player, but he's back. I think... I, to me, it's about how good are they if they are truly great in the front seven and play that Sam Pittman physicality and can stop the run and bow up and, and get stops on third and short in a really good division. Then I think Arkansas is a great football team. If the front seven does not come together quickly with some new pieces filling in a lot of big roles, then I think Arkansas is a solid football team because the offense, I think, is going to be great. So to me, it's the it's the front seven. And, and how did all the pieces fit together for Arkansas? I figured you were going to go that direction. I went quarterback. Not that I have questions about KJ Jefferson's abilities, but just, you know, with, I, I think it's going to take some creativity with him in that position. Um, you know, just making sure that he's making contact with those receivers and like what they're really going to be doing to score points. Um, so it's kind of, I put QB O-line like combo but just the way that those two are working together and i i think that with this coaching staff in particular there's not going to be that huge learning curve that we sometimes talk about with the o-line these guys already kind of know what they're doing they're in like a good systematic environment to make sure that it works and i think because of the coaching staff they have around them those mistakes any mistakes they make early on will be quickly fixed yeah. and then i think it'll just be an upwards trajectory both for quarterback and kj jefferson and the line Okay. Yeah, they they want to run the football. KJ Jefferson's very good, but if he is elite, that that could if he's Cam Newton good, that could change the trajectory for Arkansas in a big way. Uh, again, I don't think there's a very like everyone's raving about how tough the schedule is. It's not as hard as Mississippi State's schedule. Um, and I think it's, I think there's a good floor for this team. Like I think se I'd be shocked if they it's lost. It's not that bad. No, if they went six and six, I'd be shocked. Like I I I think they're a pretty easy seven eight win team. So. I, don't I know. can I can count seven without a problem. Yeah. What do you think? And for the people that are wondering about what I know, you said they want to run the football. Traylon Burks is obviously a huge loss. How does that play out for them? You think that's a that's another big one. Um, Jaden Hazelwood is kind of an underrated transfer in my opinion. Not many people are talking about him. He was a five star kid, played pretty well at Oklahoma. Now he's at Arkansas. I do think it's hard. Like now having seen Traylon Burks in person um, for the last two weeks, like the dude is an absolute monster. Right. And and so ha replacing that singular talent where they throw him the ball short a lot and he would just like just yak it up like he's just yard at yards after catch all game long outrunning Alabama defensive backs and stuff. So I, I do think in a run first offense, like how dynamic can the passing game be without Traylon Burks with KJ Jefferson? I think that's a fair question to ask. And if they are truly dynamic, then they're just going to be just as dangerous this year as they were last year. But that's without Burks. Yeah. So, to your point. They have some receivers that are tall and fast. <laughs> and they also had didn't their tight end their tight end um gotten like a concut 
got like a bad concussion last year. It does. There are question marks to me around the receiving core for them. Okay. No, I think that's fair. I think that's right. I agree with you on that. Um, that that is absolutely correct. But Sam Pittman still wins. So yeah, no question about that. All right. So the Auburn Tigers are one of the only three after with with Missouri and one other one that I I circle underline bullet bold you know double circle quarterback position. I think Take Bigsby's great. Auburn's offensive line is great. Defensive front could be pretty solid. I'm not as worried about the defense. It's exclusively there. Like, is this a dumpster fire Auburn team or is this a bowl team? And to me, that's exclusively about the quarterback, Zach Calzada, TJ Finley, Robbie Ashford, all three transfers. <laughs> I got to find, got to mm-hmm. find one of them to work. And that's Brian Harson's baby. So I had quarterback circled. I didn't even think about anything else. I went O-line here, not because I had questions, but just, because I think for the reason that you're saying the question marks at quarterback, it's going to be more important than ever for that offensive line to be working to, together well. There are one, two, three, three, four, four super seniors, potentially. Ooh, good Most, stat. Mostly seniors. And then the only position that they don't have a senior or a super senior in is right guard. And they've got redshirt sophomore and a redshirt junior. So it's extremely experienced. I think when you have when you do have as many question marks as they do at that quarterback position, just get, having the security to be able to take some risks if you're down by a bunch, you're going to have to go for trunk players, you're going to have to throw the ball down the field. Um, just having the safety and security to know that your O-line can is experienced and um, is – you know, has your back, I think could serve them well. That does not mean that they can do what they need to do without the correct quarterback. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Auburn's got a lot of problems, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Brian Harson's got to solve that quarterback problem. Uh, <laughs> LSU. <laughs> could go a couple of different directions with this one. Yeah, I put O-line in a bad way. <laughs> yep, that's what I got. Yep. Um, They lost four starters. This is a completely new coaching staff. There's been question marks around the program, both on and off the field for years. Not a lot of consistency, um, you know, both in a tangible way and in a less tangible way. And you cannot do much without at least a decent O-line. And it's uh, O-line in a bad way is what I'm going with. Yeah, it's, that's exactly what I've got written down. Is I, I think you could go with defensive line, but I actually think the personnel on the defensive line is there to be pretty good. So I think mm-hmm. they're going to get much better, much much more quickly. Um, you're right, no no returning starters on offense, although they do have four guys that have some experience and they're all upperclassmen. So there is something to work with there, right. with Brian Kelly. I'm not as worried about the skill talent. You shouldn't be at LSU ever. And the quarterback, I think they've got enough options there to find one of them that's good enough. It, to me, it's about the offensive line. If LSU is going to be a eight-win team, let's say, it's going to be because the offensive line came together and did a good job. I I, I believe that the defense is going to be okay, and I think they got enough quarterback pieces. So we'll, I, I think it's exclusively about the offensive line for LSU. Do you have any – we've talked about this before, but do you have any questions about when you have that many different quarterback pieces actually being able to nail one down and then have your good guy – that's a good question because I think all of them do different things, right? Like Miles yeah. Brennan's a very different player than Garrett Nussmeyer is a very different player than Jaden Daniels. I think Daniels is the best player of the bunch. Right. But does is that what Brian Kelly wants running the offense as an athlete who wants to run around and make I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, do you see can you see Brian Kelly 
using multiples or do you think he'll have a guy i mean he's got good options so there's worse places to be but i was also harder for your offensive line to have yeah changes would, my gut is that Jaden daniels is the starter and should be the starter all year until, yeah. unless he unless something goes wrong with him which we have seen at arizona state so i don't right the talent level to me is 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 Jaden daniels the wild card and the experience is miles brendan the wild card is garrett nussmeyer that that's the the wild card is if he if he's just like this super talented guy that they just they can't keep off the field then that's you know because of his again his dad's the offensive coordinator or whatever like at, at alabama like i don't I don't know, man. I think that if he's just mentally that far ahead of the game and he makes such good good decisions that he gets on the field, that's a good thing for LSU. So. Yep. Um, all right, Mississippi State. I, you know how much I love Mississippi State. So mm-hmm. I had a tough time with this one. You did? I did. You get to go first. I went first last time. Literally one position, the left and right tackles. The offensive tackles are where I'm most concerned. I think you could mix in some receivers, maybe some defensive backs, but like by and large, I think they're good on the defensive line in the front seven. I think they're good at at the skill position players. I think they're good in the interior of the offensive line. I, I just, I like this team a lot. I think they're a very complete football team. It's literally like they lost an NFL left tackle and they have to replace their right tackle as well. If they can get bookend tackles to protect Will Rogers, I y'all know how I feel about Hale state this year. So I, this is, this was a hard one too. I actually went with specifically with cornerbacks. Um, um, and, that was not only because of they have you know Emmanuel Forbes right yes Emmanuel Forbes yep um he's like the only corner they've got coming back that has experience yes and losing Martin Emerson I mean they're taking they took a big hit they have at least one guy in Forbes that could potentially step in but when you in close games especially just having that secure like having that security against the passing game is like so key in those games that could tip either way and just the lack of experience there i think could run them into some problems is that's a much better specific position problem to have than some of the other ones we've named i'd much rather feel like i'm lacking in in that capacity than my o line is crumbling so I think in the large scheme of things, it's not a huge issue, but we were, I was kind of trying, I was kind of having to search a little bit. Yeah. To come I, I wrote, with. I wrote down defensive backs as well. And just as like a second tier one. And it's right. because like, they've got two seniors at, at safety, but you're right. They, they, they don't have a lot of cornerback depth or at least proven cornerback depth. And, but all five projected starters right now are upperclassmen. So there, there is some veteran pieces there. The question is how good are they? And that's the other one I wrote down. Cause again, I think this team has got almost everything it needs to be a very good team this year. So y'all know how much I like the, the bull puppies this year for sure. And um, I think, I think just knowing too, that the Martin Emerson was a tough, was a tough one. And I don't think people realize how big of a loss he was because teams started to play around him so that they didn't have to go up against him. So I do think that on paper, even though that doesn't might not seem like it was as big of a as big of a loss as it was, it was pretty big time because teams were having to adjust their scheme around him. I, I wanted him to be drafted here in Tennessee. So uh, I wanted to cover him because <laughs> I thought he'd be good. Now it turns out Roger McCreary's pretty damn good too. Um, he's having a great camp. You Auburn fans, he's him and Traylon Burks have been going head to head in Titans camp, like Auburn and Arkansas, SEC West love. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. They're both really good players. Um, old Mississippi, where are you going here? I went defensive line in a good way. 
uh, in a, you think they're good on the defensive line? Okay, let me hear it. I mean, they're at least return. It's not completely fall, falling apart. You look at like some of these other teams, and they're missing like key pieces. I mean, am I so single season sack yeah. record holder? Of course, uh, Sam Williams is gone. Middle linebacker Chance Campbell also here in Tennessee for the Titans. There's a lot of old, a lot of SEC players for, in Titans camp. Um, and uh, and Mark Robinson, of course, is gone as well. I, so I, they've got they've got they got two nice pieces coming back in, in Johnson and Hill. I guess it's just like what they're what they were able to do in terms of scheme last year and their improvements made from 2020 to 2021 was the right trajectory now i hate what you're saying about missing personnel but scheme wise just going from they had one of the most improved scoring defenses in the country just heading in the right direction now it, the if can the personnel is there going to be personnel there to get it done i don't i don't know but I, I wrote down front front seven is when i wrote down now the problem with writing down front seven for Ole miss is they run a three two six which means there's only five in the front right. seven so it's a front five Right. Um, and they lost three of their top three of the best players out of that group. But you're right. That was the most improved part of the team. And Chance Campbell was a transfer. They're also going to rely this year on three more players to come in as transfers. They got a guy from Central Michigan. They got a guy from Georgia Tech. They got a guy from Auburn. Like they're they're going into the portal again to do this. It's not quarterback for me or offense because I trust Lane Kiffin. But most importantly, they lost DJ Dirk and their coordinator to Texas A&M. And I think that is like when you package the loss of the coach, with the loss of the experience, with new faces, you're asking a lot of new pieces to do a lot of work very quickly. And if it works, then I see what Ole Miss people are talking about. But y'all know, I do not like this Ole Miss team as much as everybody else does. Yeah. No, just, it's true. I, it's true. I like the I like the direction they were heading in. And I think they had something figured out. But you're right. That is a that is a lot of gaps to fill in. Even if I even if I liked the way that they were playing and their improvements that they made in terms of scoring defense and keeping opponents point totals down and everything that it, you know, can only do so much if you don't have the coaching staff and players there to execute it. The, the question is sustainability. Like that's, it was, it was a huge improvement last year. Can they sustain it? And I think, again, you, I think you had Ole Miss at four. That's where they were picked by the media. So like you and the media, everyone agrees. I know that I'm the, the, the different one here. Like I am out. I could be completely wrong on this. And I, I might have Ole Miss seven in the West. <laughs> like, but again, that's way out in left field. Yeah. That is not what, what common thinking is with the Rebels right now. Uh, well, Texas you don't normally think common. That's true. I don't think common. <laughs> it's like an Apple slogan from like the 80s. Think <laughs> uncommonly. Um, Texas A&M, I got one, one, one name I circled quarterback. Texas A&M makes the playoff with a great quarterback. Texas A&M loses four games without a good quarterback. Yeah. I have quarterbacks too. <laughs> Not much to talk if, about. If we're going to agree on one, it's going to be that one. Not I much mean, to talk about. There's just, that's extremely talented room. And honestly, that's going to uh, serve Texas A&M. That will probably be a similar conversation in the next year or two to come. Yep. Is um, when we see Connor, besides Wagman. Yeah, Connor Wagman. He, he's, com he's, he's coming, man. He's Haynes coming. King. It's basically, yeah, and it's basically to... Haynes King or Max Johnson between the two of them. I think it's down to those two this year. Um, Max Johnson threw, I think, 27 touchdowns last year. And yep. Billy Lucci, go back and listen to our Billy Lucci conversation on, on the YouTubes, uh, the video conversation I had with him. He basically said this entire team hinges on good quality quarterback play, finishing drives, 
they've got everything else. And so yeah, they've got good receivers to work with. They've got people there to catch the ball. Then you have Connor Weigman studying under these other two guys and it's going to be yep. completely ready to take on and run the program when he needs to. The only thing I think, which is not really a concern is just, they have that stint of tough road games. I think they go Mississippi state, South Carolina, and there's one other one. Obama all in a row <laughs> oh yeah on the road oh yeah forgot about that one that one so that that'll that'll be a test for sure but they seem to have all the pieces they need to me take a have a pretty good go at it yep uh, a lot of good quarterbacks in this league Texas A&M is the best team that does not have an answer at quarterback yet we don't know how good they can be at that position they have the ability to be very good the question is are they going to at least they good? have an answer like they're going I think so I, I think, think so, so too. Yeah. I, I listen. I think A is a top ten team, so I'm not. I'm not backing off that. I I think they're going to lose a couple games, but I think they have. A, they're a top ten team, and if they're top ten, it's because they got good quarterback play. So they definitely got a chip on their shoulder too, so. <laughs> or at least, at least at least Jimbo does. does. Yeah. All right. Um, that just about does it for us. When we come back, you're going to hear from Ryan McGee from ESPN, and we're going to try to get to know all these coaches heading into 2022. Ryan, always a pleasure to see you. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time this week. How are you, my friend? Football is here. Yeah, it's August. Uh, I don't know that my family is super pumped about that because uh, <laughs> I was looking at my American Airlines app today, and it's just like, I mean, bing, 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 yep. bing. I mean, I'm, I made one trip basically for work uh, really two all summer. So, yeah, it's time, time to get on it, man. I, I joked all that. I joked with my wife the first year we met. We met in January, and I told her, no one's all through the first half of the year. We get to the start of the season. And I joke with her. I said, no one's ever made it past week 10, hon. And uh, <laughs> yeah, she gave yeah. me a gift. She gave me a gift card at week 10 for like a massage or something. And it was like, hey, I made it. And now I've got two kids starting kindergarten next week. So like we're That's it. It worked out. It worked out. Um, all right. So I want to get to know some of these coaches, some of the personalities. I want to know why some of them are working in the SEC. And I figured you'd be the perfect guy to sort of dive into some of this. I do have some rapid fire, actual football questions for you at the end. We'll do, okay. um, yeah. but I've got three categories of coach and I want to see if you agree. And we'll kind of talk through where all these guys fall in the sec. And then of course, we'll try to figure out where the hell to put Jimbo Fisher. So, right. um, <laughs> so the first group I have is like these, I call them the ATDs. They are the attention to detail, paranoid, schizophrenic, egomaniacs who are just driven by every day of the clock, every hour of the clock being maximized. And of course, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart lead the way in this group. Have you noticed a difference at all in Kirby Smart since winning the national championship? No, um, a little bit. And it's funny, uh, Marty and I were talking this the other day because, I mean, shameless plug, we, we just interviewed all the coaches uh, at SEC Media Days, our, our talking season special. I think it's the fourth year we've done them. They'll air in a couple of weeks on SEC Network. And we were talking about that at dinner after the last group interviews. And we, Nick Saban, there's definitely been a difference in him since COVID. Um, we had him on Marty McGee like it was, it was like the day after Christmas. And he was joking around and talking about kind of circling the wagons. And he had just recovered from COVID and was talking about all that. With Kirby, Kirby is different than he was 10 years ago. There's no question about it. Well, and yep. certainly when he first got the Georgia job, my lasting image of Kirby in the beginning is when they won their first SEC championship and the game's over and everybody's cheering and they're in Atlanta and he took his headset off and he 
threw it on the ground and started yelling at the headset guy. And I was like, damn, coach, you know, you just won a championship. And I asked him about it one time. And he said, I'm trying to do a better job of enjoying things. And so when we asked him, how long did you give yourself to enjoy winning the national championship? Uh, he said a week, which is pretty good for him. You know, I, I'm, I think a lot of those guys would have given it a night. And uh, but he said it because the parade was a week later. So I think he made it through the end of the parade and then, uh, and then immediately started working. again. Well, and what's what's really interesting, like wasn't Saban's face like that in the 09 championship, like on the podium, yeah. he's like holding up the ball and he's like scowling pissed off about it. We're just angry. It's just yeah. And and, and I worry about this guy. I always you know I go back to I'm a, I'm a I'm a big baseball guy. I love the Red Sox. And I think about Carl Yastrzemski. Um, years after he'd retired, I met him at a thing. Where we were chatting, and I said, "Yeah, as I go, you know, other than obviously not winning a World Series, you know, what's the one thing if you could do something over with?" He goes, "I'd enjoy myself." He said, "I yeah. never once enjoyed it. I never once allowed myself to enjoy it." And he goes, "Now I'm sad." Because I look back and I'm like, what would I give to have one more day? So I, I do, yeah. I really do believe, I, I, I restrain, refrain from using the phrase kinder and gentler, but I do believe that Saban allows himself to enjoy it a little bit now um, because of everything they went through in 2020. That's his favorite yeah. team. He tells everybody that. Of course, won a national championship. But I, I just, I think these guys, I, I hope they all give themselves a chance to, to actually appreciate it because – you know, when it's over, it's too late. So two other guys I would probably put in this category um, and the two new coaches. And I want to see what you think about this, because I think Brian Kelly also had that moment. They went four and eight at Notre Dame a few years ago. They've won 54 games since then. But he had sort of this kind literally, like he said, I'm going to be a kinder, yep. gentler, more thoughtful coach around my players. So I guess he would fall into this category. So I want to know if you think he's actually made that 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 adjustment. And then. Would you put Billy De Bi uh, Billy <laughs> Billy Napier? I was going to say Billy Donovan. Would you put Billy Napier into this category as well? Because it seems like he's not only is he from the Saban tree, but it it feels like the attention to detail is very strong with with this one. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with Kelly. Um, he's definitely a different person than he was. Like you know, everybody everybody in our in our corner, the SEC corner of the world, always goes back to the year they shocked the world and got into the BCS title game and got destroyed by Alabama. And it was, it was physically obvious if you're there that night when the two teams walked in, who's going to win the game. I mean, it was like the Monstars, right. In the, yeah. in the Looney Tunes, yeah. it just was the size difference. Mike Gold Jr. I talk about this all the time, just get off the bus. The game was over. Yep. Yep. And Brian Kelly was a miserable human being back then. He was really difficult to interview. He wouldn't say anything. He was very guarded. Now I think that he's penalized for that because he's not like that anymore. Um, I, I think he goes into full business mode when, talk, when it's time to get ready for football games. I don't think there's any question about that. But, you know, we make fun of the dancing, right? And we make fun of the fake Southern accent and all that stuff. But the reality is he's, he's chilling out a little bit. And I think he feels like he's been liberated. They've taken the handcuffs off because coaching at Notre Dame is brutal. He and I have talked about it. Just the protracted – so right here on the wall behind me, right there <laughs> – Watch, that, on that YouTube, a, watch on YouTube, folks. Right. So if you're on YouTube, right behind me, that, that block <laughs> of wood back there, that's a section of, of the redwood that Newt Rockney brought in in 1930 and put in the stadium. The fight that Brian Kelly had to just replace those with more comfortable seats yeah. was brutal. And yeah. so I think he's he's definitely different. Um, now, you know, LSU, as you know, will uh, will chew you up, which brings us to Florida. Um. Flor the Florida job is the equivalent to 
in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, when the guy drinks from the wrong cup and he ages like 500 years <laughs> in like 30 seconds, that's what the Florida job does to people now. And so Billy Napier, I think, is a very intense guy. He's a very focused guy. He's right out of the saving playbook. However, um, he enjoys himself. I mean, I mean, you, if you watched him at, at, with Raging Cajuns, he he was having a good time, and yeah. so he can't, you know, he can't believe he's got the Florida job. He loves it, and so I hope that he's given a chance to enjoy that because, again, I feel like it might be the reverse. There, we we saw Will Muschamp, who's a great guy, but but the whole time in games, it looked like his underwear was six sizes too small, right? Yeah. I mean, and, you know, he's not, Zook, and he's not like that at all. Like he's not like that. Ron Zook's not a bad guy, but the right. Florida job turned him into the Hulk, and so. <laughs> That and you know, in Urban Meyer, or whatever else. So I just that so that job will yeah. will chew you up and spit you out. So I'm hoping that Billy Napier being a what I perceive to be a, a little more chill version of the saving tree, I'm hoping that'll serve him well down there. So another category I've got is just ball coaches. And we've been talking about this, I think, across all mediums uh, all the time because Sam Pittman seems to be working, his messaging and communication style works. Yep. I talked to KJ Jefferson and Bumper Pool about this. Josh, you know, coach Josh, coach hype up there and, you know, coach dad up there in, in, in Knoxville, his messaging seems to be working. I mean, Cedric Tillman said as much like, Hey, he's takes time to be a personal coach and gets to know us. And if more, he literally told me, right. He goes, if more coaches did that, they'd be, they'd be more successful. Uh, Of course, Mark Stoops has built his entire career on this at at Kentucky. I'm curious if you think Shane Beamer goes into that category or not, because I don't think he's, I don't know if he's earned enough yet to be in that category, but he's got a lot of the, the same skills. So what is it about that group of guys and their style that has worked so quickly? Well, what's interesting about most of those guys you talked about, they played and played at the highest level. You know, Shane Beamer played at Virginia Tech. You know, Shane Beamer was on the Michael Vick teams. And um, and Josh Heupel almost won the Heisman Trophy. I mean, you know, so it's – I think there is – and Mark Stoops certainly comes from a coaching background. I think with those guys, it's a great category because those guys seem to understand the balance – and this is the part that a lot of people have a difficulty with, which is balancing the teacher, guidance counselor, sports psychologist part of the job, which is a huge part of the job. You're still dealing with 19-year-olds. You are. You know, I always go back to the story I remember in Omaha. Um, it was Jim Morris at Miami told me. And he said, they're, you know, they're in a super regional and a elimination game. He wouldn't tell me who the pitcher was, but he said he's got a guy on the mound and he, he's struggling and, and they're, they're – you know, trying to get to Omaha, and he walks out, and he goes, what, what's up, bud? You all right? And the kid looked at him. He said, Coach, I'm going to flunk biology. And, and Morris is like, well, you know what? We're going to talk about that after the game, but we need to get this out first. But that's a part of the job. You know, your yeah. girlfriend dumps you, or you're not doing well in school, or or your parents are getting a divorce, or, you know, there, there's some issue. And, and at the end of the day, you're still dealing with teenagers. And so Shane Beamer – handles that beautifully. At least he has up to this point. And, and Spencer Rattler will tell you that. Um, it's the reason that all these guys from Oklahoma are going to Columbia because they love they love Shane Beamer. And big surprise, you know, Frank's son. Frank was exa- Frank Beamer was the exact same time of coach. So, no, I, li- I like this category a lot because um, you can coach ball and you can live ball, but at the same time, it's okay to call a kid into your office and go, you all right? And, and I think that all those guys you're talking about do that. Yeah, and it's uh, – it, it, it also, and I think you package it with NIL, which I know people's eyes glaze over as soon as you mentioned yeah. that, acro- that acronym, but if you can outsource, if 80% of your job is recruiting and you can outsource a big chunk of that, whether on purpose or otherwise, and you can outsource that, 
it gives you a lot more time to focus on that one-on-one personal relationship you have with your backup defensive back or whatever. Well, it's it's what Dabo Swinney's really good at. I mean, it really is. I don't know that Dabo is a great X's and O's guy, and I think he honestly got exposed a little bit when, when you know he lost a big part. Well, he'll of tell you. He'll, he'll tell you that. Yeah, but what he's really, really good at is what we're talking about, which is being in the room, being with. And and, and I don't want anybody to misunderstand either. That first group we talked about. I think Nick Saban's gotten really good at that, and and and, yeah. and Kirby is getting better at it, and certainly Billy Napier is a personal coach by him. So so, but but I think the group you're talking about, they just seem to have struck that balance. But you're exactly right. The hardest part of the job is delegating. Jeremy Pruitt couldn't delegate, couldn't do it. You know, he's trying to do everything all the time. You know, how many coaches have told us that's the part of the job that you don't understand is the CEO part, and part of that CEO is not just running a multi-million dollar business, which is what you're doing, yeah. and having you know dozens and dozens and dozens of employees, which we have, but it's also that other stuff. You know, Mac Brown always tells a story about he's walking out to practice one day and helicopter lands and walking to the practice field. Coach, you got to get on the helicopter. What are you talking about? Well, the governor of Texas's wife's having a birthday party and you're contractually obligated to make an appearance <laughs> at that party. And, Mac, and, and you know, Mac said, I want to tell him, I'm getting ready for Oklahoma State Saturday. And so, that's the part of the job that people you, you never know all that's coming. And um, you know, that's why it didn't doesn't hurt if you're Shane Beamer and you got the yeah, yeah. you know, you got the contacts list that he does. All right, my final group here, the nerds. Yeah, I got oh, I got the nerds. Drink it's lame. If you don't leave with drink, then it ain't the nerds. <laughs> Eli Drinkowitz, Mike yep. Leach. Oh yeah. Uh I think Lane Kiffin belongs in there, and I think Clark yep. Lee and I think Clark Lee belongs in oh. there too. The question yeah. is the question is how how high can a nerd go? That's the question. Yeah. Um, I think it can go pretty high. I mean, Chip Kelly's a giant nerd. All right. I mean, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of big nerds out there. Um, I mean, I'm a nerd, so yeah, me too. I mean, yeah. I got to, I mean, yeah. you know, I, I got the gear on, right. I got to Captain America sweat shirt on, but I just, I think that, um, no, you absolutely can be a nerd and still succeed. You know, there's a lot, there's some of the most successful coaches of all time. I, I told about the, this last group of guys that all played at that level. And Saban and Kirby Smart. I mean, all those all these guys we're talking about, they all played at a really, really high level. This group kind of didn't. I mean, you know, Kiffin, Kiffin was a backward quarterback here and there and Fresno and the goatee and the whole deal. But Leach never played it down. And yeah. and Drinkwitz never played. He'll tell you that. These guys are analysts. And so yeah, no, you can absolutely now, Clark Lee played. Clark Lee was good. Yeah. Um, but you have to be Clark Lee. But he went to Vanderbilt, so he's a nerd. <laughs> his interview he did with us for the Marty McGee Talking Season special, honestly, we kind of rank ahead of time. All right, who, you know, who do we think is going to be great and who do we think we're probably going to have to put in the show that much? And Clark Lee was a conundrum because when he was done, his guy got on and went, the team was terrible. And as soon as the interview was done, we looked at each other, we're like, I'm like way smarter than I was yep. 20 minutes ago. Yep. So he's he's fascinating. That that whole group, I, and I love Drinkwitz, man. I, I remember uh, I spent the day with him up at App State one day, and uh, – and all along, I'm like this guy. I mean, it, yeah. I'm and 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 Leach. My favorite story I ever wrote. I went out to Pullman, and uh, I was. They told me I had 15 minutes with Leach, and that was it. And I stayed three days. <laughs> <laughs> my liver, my liver still has not recovered. That was about seven years ago. I worked with I worked with Leach, and during the radio commercial breaks, he would walk. I could hear him walk out to his pool in Key West, jump into the pool during a commercial break. Oh yeah. Get back, get back out and like wet footed walk back to the, to the, to the microphone. Um, what's interesting about Clark Lee. And I think this is my sort of Shane Beamer is the inverse of this, but I don't think Clark Lee is good on the big stage. He's too, too robotic. You know, it's perf- those press conferences at media days are very performative. 
but I think his I think his stuff is very substantive on a one-on-one level. He's so good. No, and, and, I, and I think that what I was basing my bad scouting report on was what you're talking about, which was how right. he handles everything on Monday you know, after a game or how he handles things in the post-game press conference or on the big stage, you know, there at the Costable yeah. Hall of Fame at yeah. SEC Media Days. But one-on-one, you're right, man. He, he's he's amazing. So, yeah. No, I like these categories a lot. And um, and also – Don't be stealing you know, my stuff the, now, right? Well, the, and the nerds are the nerds are in that group where you know that's that's those are the underdogs. I mean, you know, I I, I get what Ole Miss just did last year, but they, they got a lot of work to do, and they still make their living in the SEC West, and they still are in the state of Mississippi. And so there's there's a lot. I, I love the fact that not only is are they the nerds, but they are the um they're pretty they're good. the underdogs. Yeah. yeah. That, well, that's, what's that's, and what's fascinating about I think Kiffin is so misunderstood by his Twitter online persona yeah. because like his real life who he is is just the opposite of the guy who like signs mustard bottles and trolls people on Twitter and yeah. go, goes out on, with Katy Perry on game day. Like it, it's just, that's not really who he is. Honestly, if you, if you, it you was a better chance to get to know. I, yeah, it was. I mean, I, I would argue that's who he was. Um, you know, even when he was in Knoxville, I, I would argue that's who he was. Okay. And, and he's still, he's still, uh, and, and, you know, I, I've written about it. You know, I, I had interactions with him when we were kids and um, he's still very much that kid. And, uh, um, yeah. And but he's he's uh yeah I, I think he is he has changed a lot. Um, we're talking about guys that have kind of transformed. But you know, I mean, we you know, we're all about the same age. We're he's uh yeah. I would say that I've changed a lot in the last. I, ten years. I, I just I, didn't have to do it on TV. Yeah, me me too. Uh, I didn't have to get fired a bunch of times or on national TV or although that's not true. I I have been fired. Um, so uh, the coach the the categories here are attention to detail, the ATDs, the ball coaches who are just sort of like old school, like I just care about people around me kind of guys who just coach ball, put put all the noise aside, and then the nerds. Um, where do you put Jimbo Fisher? <laughs> that's a great question. Um, you know, you want to put him in that category with with Kirby and Saban because he's he has a ring. And there's there only a handful of guys um that are doing this that have rings. Um and he certainly his uh I, it's funny, it's funny with Jimbo because you know, I say all this and I'm looking to make sure he's not like hiding in the backyard, you know, <laughs> with a slingshot or something. But you know, you could kind of put him in all three categories. I know, I know. Yeah, you really, you really can. And um, because I, I would I would argue. I would argue with a pretty good case that he could be in the nerd group. I mean, you start talking football with that man, and it's a whole other level. I mean, or, it really is. And, or like and, fishing and hunting, like just, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, and you can be a nerd and fish and hunt. Oh yeah. But it's uh, um, but yeah, I, I I think there's a little bit of him in each one of those categories. But if you had to pit him into one, um, you know, I, I might I might put him in that second category because I, I think okay. about I think about um. You know, I was all shoulder deep into the Jameis Winston stuff. Um, and I'm still not the biggest Jameis Winston fan. That's not a secret. But watching the way that Jimbo handled Jameis in the middle of all that, when um, when there's accusations of, of, of things that don't have anything to do with football, right. and, and Jameis kept doing really stupid stuff, but he also – was trying to win games, and I, I remember when I remember when Jameis was in the background, right? The game where he was suspended and didn't play, and Clemson, right? Right, and the way Jameis was acting on camera and Jimbo grabbing him, I, I just so I think I think if I had to put him into one of the categories, you know, I'd put him in that. What, what was your what was your acronym? I, I went uh, AT the ATDs the, the ATDs. I'd, I'd, probably, I'd, I'd go ATD with him. Um, yeah, that's that's he, what I would do. I'm in that group with a ring. 
I think that's what I would do too. And I think I would put Harson there as well. I think. Yeah. No, Harson. See, to me, Harson's a bigger wild card than oh. the rest of them. But okay. I'll say this about Harson. I knew that his personality was going to be a problem for 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 the assimilation into the you know into the planes. I saw that coming. Uh, he couldn't handle the COVID stuff worse. You know, you just he kind of fell into this you know weird category of just you know answer the question. You know, what's your deal? And he kind of got lumped in with right. with uh, Aaron Rodgers and all that stuff. But I think if he could do that over, he'd do it over again. But uh, the the people who tried to shame him out of that job and the, the the coup he's once you have survived a booster coup you know you have arrived as an sec coach so yeah, uh, so yeah it's so it's all we'll see i i, yeah. I know the man can coach football because he's kind of um, a nerd too yeah he's kind of a nerd when it comes big, to the he's offense a nerd, yeah. yeah 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 but but he's um he rides the bike to work and the whole deal yep. he's just um yep. you know you 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 reluctantly call like the kyle whittingham crew nerds because they could also rip you apart with their bare hands oh god yeah. but there's you know they they are they know exactly who they are and yeah. they don't really seem to care what anybody else thinks and uh until till you come after their their livelihood and their family and so now yeah focus brian harson it should be scary to everyone i i do like the uh that once you survive the coup you become an sec coach because it's like a lot of the boosters were like it's select like selective moral outrage a lot of what happened of course with with tennessee fans and on that fateful sunday all right let's do some rapid fire football stuff and i'll let you go here if you're okay with this yep. all right yep. um all right more likely to lose a regular season football game alabama or georgia um uh, georgia just because they got they're gonna have they're gonna have to to catch up very quickly um and uh you know georgia's i'm not saying they're gonna lose week one but i'm saying they've got like they got a lot of work to do, a lot of a lot of, of, of gaps to fill, um, and they have the roster to do it. But they have the biggest challenge on week one. Auburn closer to zero and eight or eight and zero. Uh, closer to eight and zero. Okay. Um, I think they're. I think they're going. I think they're going to give it to Mister Bigsby and get out of the way. Utah versus Florida week one. Do the Gators knock the Utes out of the playoff? Uh, no. I think Utah wins that game. I think Florida's still trying to figure out. Who they are? You t- you're talking about the hey? Didn't Urban used to coach here? Bowl. That's what we're calling it. Yeah, hey, didn't did. Urban used to coach here? Bowl. Exactly. We get pol- we get Bowling Green against Ohio State, and we could have a whole team fourteen playoff. It'd be great. Oh yeah, um, that'd be great. And then everybody could sit around and have an honest conversation about Urban Meyer now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which quarterback take Bryce Young out of the out of the mix here? And I know there's there's Will Rogers, KJ Jefferson, and Hendon Hooker kind of in that second tier, but I kind of want to go down a notch. Which 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 of these really good quarterbacks? As we have a really good class here, which of them is actually going to be the the star that we? Which, which one fulfills all the upside? Is it Levis? Is it Richardson? Like which one is the guy we're talking about at the end of the year that is the dude that we're all going? You know, we knew about Bryce, but that's the guy. I think Levis could be a, he he could he could tilt the balance. I really I really think you know you, you think about what that team has been and what that program has become. And the one thing they've missed is like a difference maker guy. You know what I mean? They've had great players. I mean, great players, all-time players in that program. But but Will Levis has has the potential now. I'm not saying he'll do it, but he has the potential to hit his stride and become a, a transcendent dude. And you talk to the NFL scouts. And I'm, I'm not a big NFL guy, but, no, but you right. talk to the NFL scouts and they are drooling over him. And plus, he's just, you know, 
I know we all talked bananas and all that stuff, but the reality is he's really good. And, yeah. um, and, and he's, uh, and does not lack for confidence. Will Levis. So no, yeah, no. well, I, I think he could be the guy. Uh, second in the East. Who is it? Uh, Kentucky. I agree. That's why I put on my ballot. Yep. Third. And in- by the way, and by the way, if you're watching on the, on, on video, you see all my Tennessee, all, all yeah, the Tennessee yeah, yeah. airways. So as soon as I said that, my phone started vibrating. It was all my college roommates and my wife yelling from upstairs. But uh, but yeah, until I say this to my Tennessee people all the time, I know you want to be Alabama and Georgia. There you go. I know you want to be Alabama and Georgia, but but as much as this pains old school Tennessee fans, you need to be Kentucky first. Once well, you figure they, out how to be Kentucky, then you can figure out how to be Georgia. Um, and Alabama. Well, you know they're gonna. That's, you know they all say the same thing to me. Well, we beat Kentucky all the time. Like, well, but you don't beat them over the whole season. You need to beat them over the whole yeah. season. So no, it's it's um yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and again, you're talking to a guy when I was in school there. We're in the middle of like a 17 year yeah. winning streak or whatever yeah. it was. And so yeah, it's uh, um, but yeah, you you need to you need to lay the foundation like Stoops has and not in Lexton. Then I'll talk to you about becoming Alabama. And, and I don't think they can do it, but it's just uh, they're not there yet. Could Tennessee at LSU be the best SEC football game of the year? Yeah. Um, I think it could be the best game of the year that no one realizes is going to be the best game of the year. How's that? That's, uh, that's exactly what I think. Yeah. No, I, I, no it's, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really, really, really good call. Because uh, there's, there's not I many. I think LSU, LSU, I think, is going to be better faster than people realize. Mm-hmm. And Tennessee obviously has the momentum that they have. But, um, you know. Uh, fake accent aside, Brian Kelly can coach football. He just got to get the dudes in there. I, I have I have plane tickets and tickets to one football game in the SEC this year, and that is the one I'm going to. Um, all right, third in the West behind A and M and Bama. Who you got? And then I'll let you go. Uh, hogs, go Hogs. All right, no, they're they're good, man. And um and and it, and anyone who doesn't like Sam Pittman has never met Sam Pittman. So <laughs> if if anybody out there is looking for a team to root for that isn't your team that could Probably isn't good enough to win the conference, but it's certainly good enough to ruin it for someone else. Uh, WPS. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one, dude. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much, man. Tell everybody where they can see you, find you, watch you, uh, listen to you, all that great stuff this season. Yeah, man. Uh, Marty McGee, we'll be back on the road again. Uh, Redneck game day. We'll be back on the road again this fall, uh, every Saturday. And uh, we know, speaking of Arkansas, we know opening weekend we will be uh, we will be in Fayetteville uh, for that big Cincinnati Arkansas game, which Hey, by the way, how about how about getting in the time machine and going back a few years and going, hey man, big game, Arkansas, Cincinnati, <laughs> chance. <laughs> but we'll be there week one every Saturday morning, nine a.m. And but until then, we'll be on ESPN Radio on Saturday mornings and SEC Network like normal. And yeah, the, our coaches, go. our talking season specials are coming in August, but they haven't sent me a date yet. So all right, check keep them out. your eyes peeled, everybody. Thank you, dude. You're you're a pleasure. You're a joy. Uh, we appreciate your work and time. Keep up the good work. We appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. I- I'll see you this fall, bud. That was Ryan McGee, ESPN. Did some rapid fire there with him. Uh, three different categories. Attention to detail, nerds, and ball coaches. Where are you putting Jimbo Fisher, uh, Aaron, into what? which category do, do you put those coaches? I got to go ball coach because I don't know where else he fits. He fits a couple. He does. I don't think he's Attention a nerd. To... McGee tried to convince me he's a he's nerd. Not... I don't think he's a nerd. I don't think so. Not in the way that we think about a nerdy football coach. I think he's, I think yeah. he's closer to just, I just want to play ball than, than a nerd. And attention to detail, yes, but not in that same meticulous. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. fashion that some coaches are like Saban and those guys. I, that my first instinct was to put him in the ATD category, but then the more I think about it, I think he's kind of just a ball coach. I think he's just so, a ball coach. You just got to listen to him. But and he's not like, as nice. But he's not as nice as like Stoops and Heupel and. I mean, not all like you know. He's not. Well, they're I mean, like new age, like EQ friendly ball coaches. <laughs> Jimbo Fisher is like the normal what you think of as a ball coach. He's like the original hybrid. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's not even. He's just like That's you know, funny. suck it up. You know, yeah, up downs, he, Denzel, he, and remember the Titans vibes. He is the most traditional, like Junction Boys guy of the entire yeah. of all, and and maybe Harson fits into that category too. Like they're just, um, just some interesting dudes I in the SEC. So Harson should be like just like a CrossFit coach or something. Yeah, he's he's ATD. I put him in the ATD. You can't be in that good of shape and not be attention to detail. Yeah, well, it's just like I just don't. I still like don't see him coaching fo college football, even though he's doing it. I think he should just like start a CrossFit gym or something. I got on the elevator with him. Me and Childers got on the elevator with him, and we were like, "I don't want to mess with you." He was. It was that. It, it was, was that obvious. They, they closed the door, and they, he got off the elevator. We, you know, you do exchange pleasantries. You're like, "Hey, hey, hey, Brian. Hey, hey, guys. We right. got our media, media badges on or whatever." And he walks out, and we close the door, and we look at each other like. Yeah, we've definitely said that that guy's going to lose his job a bunch. <laughs> like, like uh, oh, well, <laughs> we allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. And we don't think it's his fault, frankly. So I don't feel that bad when I say somebody's going to lose their job, but it's not his fault. That's fine. I don't feel bad. You about didn't. That. You haven't always said it wasn't going to be his fault. I don't think it's his fault if he gets. I think it's the boosters at Auburn. I think it's Auburn's fault. Well, there's been some other question marks you've had around him that weren't just I, boosters. I think he needs to go to the West Coast. Just go back to the West Coast and hang out in the West Coast. In that nouveau chic. I'm ready to go back already. So, yeah, I know you are. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Check out the YouTube page as well. P Aaron, where can people find you? Aaron underscore Dugan on Instagram or the Aaron Dugan on Twitter. There you have it. My name is Braden Gall. You can get to me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Go to the YouTube page, everybody. We really, really appreciate your support. It's been growing and we're very thankful for all you guys that are watching. So, check it out on the YouTube page. Rate, review, subscribe. My name is Braden Gall. Again, I said that already. You been did. It's been, a, it's been a long day, Dukes. <laughs> See, the season is here. It's almost here. It's only Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Oh, All it's right. Wednesday. Have a, have a great okay, week. Okay, bye. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week.